We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. everybody welcome back to kirk your enthusiasm it is thursday night about 10 45 the mavericks just finished their second preseason game if you're a part of the feed you uh, uh have the option of listening to our new occasional post game after show called uh moneyball after dark uh, tonight josh and i talked a little bit about you know what happened the stuff we liked the stuff we didn't we're going to be trying to do that from now on uh, tonight, I have on a longtime internet friend, uh, Ben Collins of NBC News. He was one of the, the few, the proud, that forced uh, Luca to come to the Mavericks by sheer will. Uh, he wrote uh, an article. It is true. You, you wrote an article for Mavs Moneyball that came out like three hours before the draft, and I think that was the, uh, the thing which got the Mavericks to listen to us finally and, and push him uh, over the edge. You're a Long-time Mavs fan, former, or for, once in a, a future Slam contributor, former Mavericks child reporter, which was the thing I had no idea about. Uh, you are a man of many talents. How are you doing tonight? I'm great. By the way, I think the Lucas thing happened because in that column, I'm pretty sure I threatened to murder the Hawks GM. So, like, maybe he yeah. just got the vibe that, like, oh, yeah, if I don't make this trade. Because it was not, at the end of the day, we, it was pretty cheap. Cameron and Trey Young is, is I, I pretty good I feel good. I feel good. The only yeah. thing that would have been better is if we, we really should have done something similar on uh, lottery night so that the Mavericks could have had Zion, who, good Lord, wow. if you watched him tonight, the last time I checked, he would, he had 29 points of 12 of 13 shooting. I think he's going to be pretty good. I don't think we should talk about him potentially being on the Mavs because we're just going to get sad. But uh, uh, have, you, yeah. have you watched any preseason ball to date? 
Yeah, so I watched – first of all, I watched the, uh, that exact New Orleans Pelicans game the night before where he seemed to just steamroll people and then sit on the bench and then come back and steamroll people. He's very, very scary. Um, and he's going to be – like, he's in our division. This is a problem. It's going to be an issue for years to come. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not sure Maxi Kleba is going to be the guy who's going to stop him. No, he's like the only guy, too, they can put on him. Like, Justin Jackson yeah. is going to get destroyed. No, yeah, because actually tonight, and funnily enough, I was watching this game tonight, and uh, I didn't realize we had, and like, unless Dwight Powell comes back super jacked, we have sort of like a size issue all of a sudden, because mm-hmm. um, speaking of people getting rolled, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith and Justin Jackson on Blake Griffin is not a great uh, thing. But I did like what we saw. I think I think largely um, this team looks pretty good, right? I, I think we have a, like, when you have Luka and KP on the floor at the same time, you see something this is it's gonna be very spooky for a few years like this is a really good little pick and roll to have and yeah. they don't really have to do anything else uh, they people are like people get very confused on that pick and roll defensively there are people wide open in the corner and if we have people in the corner just hitting jump shots then we're in very good shape for a few years yeah yeah it was one of those things where there was one play i think it was in the first half but Basically, Porzingis finally like stepped in and took a little running floater himself from about 15 yep. feet that just swished. And at that point, the the Detroit announcers are like, "Well, what are we what are we supposed to do here?" And I think that's really going to be the Mavericks' plan is to just score as many points as possible, which is you know kind of a I said this on the the Moneyball After Dark podcast. It's kind of a stupid thing to say, but they're not built for defense. They're built for scoring, and I think that that you know there's a likelihood that these two guys are each going to have to put up, you know, 21 to 23 points a game for the Mavericks to be competitive in any given night. No, I think, I don't think that's stupid at all. I think there's a very, uh, I think it's kind of prescient because mm-hmm. you saw the best that they played was when they were forcing turnovers, sort of jumping lanes. If, if it backfired, whatever, that was probably their best chance defensively is to, I don't know, force some panic because, they weren't really, they can't really match up, especially on big, especially with a big team like Detroit, they couldn't really match up. So, right. um, and I, by the way, I liked what I saw of Luka defensively too. He had a couple steals. Uh, the lawn looked very good. So, look, I agree with you. I think what they got to do, they got to continually push the ball and in the half court, just like spam that pick and roll, just keep going with it over and over again. Uh, yeah. But they looked, they, I thought they looked, uh, Frankly, for a team that had never really played together like this, especially because it's kind of a weird combination, right? It's a point forward and a guy who's seven foot three who pops all the time. It looked very good for a first real basketball game. Yeah, I was pretty pleased. Well, let's hop yeah. into what, you know, you, um, this is, I think, my 11th or 12th episode. And, you know, I've been running through my list of friends, inviting kind of one at a time. You know, you do a lot of media hits for your real job. And, I'm sure like there's always like a PR in between where somebody has to reach out, connect with the people that, you know, you have to go through and yeah, and these things get set up for you. For me, it's like always kind of weird where I I ask, you know, I'm always asking my friends for like a chunk of their time. And whereas you basically said, I need to talk Mavericks. When can I come on? And, you know, you're, uh, my, my colleague, Josh Bowe was a little irritated with me just because, you know, he's (laughs) like, Ben, Ben is my guest. Well, and Josh, is, Josh took a bit of a sabbatical and is, like, getting his feet wet. And I just said, you know what? I'm just going to have Ben on. I'm sure he'll want to come on again. Heck, half the people yeah. who, like, want to talk Mavs that do other things for a living, you come on these things. And it's like all of a sudden, 
what I had planned for a half hour conversation is like an hour and 15. So, so you actually sent me a list of stuff that you wanted to talk about. So I wrote it down. I wrote everything down and kind of organized it because it was great. You know, basically like a wall of text. And let's, let's start with what you, you know, these are not in any particular order, but the first thing that I, that I gathered was you think Seth Curry should start make the case. Yeah. First of all, these are all hot takes. Like, I think these are, this this one's like a six on the hot take thing, but the next one is like a nine and a half. So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how these go. Um, so yeah, my, my sixth take is that Seth Curry should start. I, I didn't think he looked particularly good in these in, in these first couple uh, games. I think he looked sort of out of place. Mm-hmm. But I think that you need continual spacing on weird parts of the floor when you have this specific roster, especially if you're starting Dwight Powell and Delon, right? Yeah. Um, when you when you start two guys who like, as you, you're, you are the biggest, you're the patron saint of Dwight Powell shouldn't be shooting threes. Right. Um, if you, if you really shouldn't be doing that, then you really actually need a definitive three point shooter out there. Who's literal, whose only job is to sit there and shoot threes in the corner. And I think Seth could be that guy. He has incredible splits. Uh, last year he was what fourth in three point shooting percentage in the league. Right. Yeah. He's um, outstanding. He's he's very good at this, um, and you finally have a way to get him some space. You know, if you have Dwight serving as a role man, KP serving as both a role man and a pop guy, uh, and you can run a little motion offense for him just like you would with if you had like JJ Redick or Kyle Korver or something, you can run into some screens. I think that that's the sort of offense that you can go to um, when when you've overdone it with the pick and roll, or you know you can't really get a quick bucket. Um, that's what you would want in a starting two, I think, next to Luca and and, and Wright. Uh, so I think it I think it makes sense. I think they might start Justin Jackson because he's been very good, um, and I understand that. What if I told His you he has one is, re- What if I told you Justin Jackson has one rebound in 37 minutes of preseason action? That is. So I'm not so dark. sure about that. <laughs> okay, good point. That's fair. He has so like other than the rebounding, he's reminded me of Josh Howard a little bit. Is that like Jack Knight floater thing? And yeah, he, the movement. He, no, he's good around. Yeah, the I agree. No, he looks he looks comfortable for the first time that I've seen him. Last year he didn't look that comfortable. He looks a little afraid to shoot sometimes, and you know. But this year he looks just much, I guess, physically stronger and more comfortable on the floor. So I get that if you want to start him there. But I didn't know that rebounding stat, and that's horrifying. Um, that's really bad. Uh, but that's that's the thing is I think that you need somebody who can just space the floor period because otherwise you get really jammed up especially with Powell down in the paint um I I think I think you want as much space as possible just so people just so you're not accidentally getting doubled or KP's not getting doubled at the elbow when he's shooting a jump shot like that's what you'd want and I think Seth can do that so that do you agree with this am I way off base here no there's something to it because like my in, in our Slack channel tonight, someone who I think it was Josh, it might have been Kevin, one of our other guys, who pointed out that uh, Seth Curry was the third guy off the bench, and that's that's yeah. not he's not an eighth man. What you know, we signed him to a four year, thirty two million dollar contract. You you you've uh, you know spit out some of his stats. He's a really good shooter. I understand Tim Hardaway Jr. exists. I understand that we have some of these areas, but like the Mavericks really are deficient in particular areas that can get exposed quickly. And if they want to win games, I think they will end up experimenting with a fair number of lineups. So it's, I think a six on a hot scale is, is, is fair. 
it depends on how much they decide that they care about defense. You know, the one thing about Josh Jackson in on that starting lineup is everybody on the floor was six, five or taller. So even though I don't think it was a particularly good defensive unit, they take up a lot of space, like being able to have, you know, arm span is nice. They're hypothetically switchable, right? That's what you think is that hypothetically you could just switch every screen and run around like that, but that's not really what's actually happening. If, uh-huh. Because you saw, like, I saw Maxi get lost a couple times. Um, like, he's looked pretty rough to me in, in these yep. first couple of games. Um, he, he got lost a couple of times, so then you, you randomly have Luca trying to defend Andre Drummond, and that's just not happening. So, again, the, the switchability <laughs> only makes sense if everybody can really switch. Like, that's that's what worked for the death lineup for the Warriors, and that's great. But if if you have, like, a large missing piece at the top of it then the whole thing falls apart so yep. if you're just doing this for defense it doesn't really make sense i agree you should you, they should just try to be they should try to outrun teams over and over again and and just rack up points and then if you win like 135 to 131 whatever that's yeah. that's it's probably the best solution that we have it's a win exactly yeah, and we'll have fun covering it okay let's move on to the next one now this might have been my favorite on your list and i actually <laughs> did some research into this topic because i was pretty curious your second your second hot take is that luka Doncic is too skinny now Fire i think away. that he is okay i think that he is appropriate i think he has lost a tiny bit of weight right maybe oh. i don't know Oh, so okay. Here's where my research is. Comes this, from. Is this wrong? Okay. Tim, okay. Tim McMahon said today, and I don't know if this has been reported before. I feel like it hasn't. I feel like this might have been one of those things all the Mavs beat people kept to themselves, and because the NBA until this year didn't require uh, uh, the height and weight stuff specific, specifically. Luka Doncic came into camp last year. What do you think he weighed? Uh, two twenty-five. Two forty-seven. Jesus Christ. And now I'm a hefty, I'm a, I'm kind of a chunk myself, but I'm not a professional athlete, so who cares? This guy was carrying too much weight for most of the season. I think that's okay. kind of fair. 247 is a, you're right. That's, that's, oh my God. He that is fast tonight. That was kind of the thing that stood out to yeah. me. Like he kind of booked it and that was really interesting. But still make the case for the fact that you think he might be too skinny for how he plays. Okay, so I didn't know he was two forty seven. That's like, that's like two Whataburger like bet, super size meals he, a day. I bet he lost ten pounds through camp, though. You know, I bet yeah, he started he, the he, season under two forty. Right. I, I think what what I'm trying to do is word off the idea that this guy has to be like he has to have a he has to have six pack abs and look like a guy who sure. he, he should should not look like Fight Club Brad Pitt ever. I think that's bad for him. And I think that's a bad ideal for him because he part of what makes him uh, the player that he is, is that he absorbs a lot of contact. He's sort of unafraid, unafraid of doing weird stuff once he's in the paint. Um, And if he's skinny, it's not going to work. That said, I think that like right now, this is a good, this is basically a good weight. This is a good place to be. And I think they should be more focused on conditioning with him because he does look a little gassed already. Like I saw like in the third quarter, he looked a little, uh, red in the face, I would say. Um, so they should be focused more on conditioning with him and getting him so he's not tired at all because he makes weird decisions up in the air once he starts to get tired. <laughs> oh, yes. like, as you know, you've seen these. You've seen like the weird funky passes he makes once he's up. In the air. He gets like a um, he gets like a testy teenager too, and he starts doing like yes. like it's a little little showmanship, a little you know he gets a little chippy. 
And I agree. Yeah. I think that's when he's tired. He's not thinking. He's not, you know, he's, he's, he goes from being competitive to kind of pushing it over to the edge. So I did, you're right. I, I hadn't really thought about that. I think that might be an aspect of it. He's just so competitive, but then his body doesn't want to cooperate. Yeah. I think there's like sugar crash Luca, which is what happened tonight with like, <laughs> they got into like a little fight with Bruce Brown, right? And, and that was weird. And then there's like pissed off Luca, which is the best kind of Luca. And that's what you want to be. You want him to be in, shape enough so in the fourth quarter he can get pissed off and go and just take over a game which is the yep. best kind of what he is um and th- that's not going to show physically it's, you're like you're, he's not going to be like physically jacked you're not going to be able to see it in like biceps and stuff but you're going to be able to see it where at the end of the game he doesn't look like he's about to like go punch somebody in the face he looks like he's just, he looks like he wants to like take over the game instead so that's that's where i'm at i i don't i think that the focus on him and how chunky he is is sort of like off base I think the focus should be on like how how he looks at like the end of the third quarter. Well, there's a companion uh, argument that Adam has made on my second podcast like three months ago about about Jokic, and he was basically making the point that because he's such a big guy, that it ends up working to his advantage with how he plays. Because even if the Nuggets play fast, he still plays fairly. He still plays fairly methodically, and he's such a big dude that over the course of a game, over the course of a series, that weight can work to his favor so long as they're not getting, like, ran out of the gym. And, you know, Luca and LeBron and some of these bigger guys who need to absorb that contact to stay, you know, uh, to basically not necessarily stay upright, but to it's a part of their game. Like, that's part of their balance yeah. is absorbing the contact. So. I'm not really worried about his his weight either. He can't. I think the cardiovascular shape is a big deal. That'll probably be a multi year thing. We've seen it with James Harden. There's that was that that bio, biomechanic thing that he mm-hmm. uh, did last year. That was like we talked about that before the draft. There's there's enough working for him. I, I think this is a this reads like a hot take. I think this is a a, a about a five because I do believe wow. it's of concern. I really do because, you know, you've been in locker rooms before. You were also in locker rooms yeah. back in the times whenever these guys were a lot bigger. These NBA yeah. players these days are thin. That's why it's like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm, I'm mocking Luca for being, you know, six foot seven and 247. Well, I'm six two and I'm about 242. And, you know, it's not this height and weight difference stuff is not that, you know, it's we're talking like 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 ma- matter of percentage point, like less than percent points with some of these guys. So it's like they they add and drop five pounds. I'm just not super worried about it either. I, I I think it'll work itself out over the course of his career. It depends on how much we care about it like this year. Yeah, no, I, I think that's part of it, too, is that people have I think people are projecting some sort of long term health problem that mm-hmm. probably isn't going to exist. He's a, he's a professional athlete. Yeah. Um, and I, I realized that there have been problems in the past with people like Charles Barkley or something like that. But that's like a different body type entirely. It's a different kind of shape of person. And I think that that's, you know, I think people are overthinking it a little bit with Luca, And that's fine. I get it. You want to protect this kid because he's so good. But it's yeah. not, I don't think, I just don't think it's necessary. And if if we're at the All-Star break and he looks tired again, then maybe we talk about it. Maybe, maybe we have to get in, bring in like, you know, Kobe's weird ass trainer. But um, if that's the case, then, then that's, that's the case. Then I, you just, I, to me, to like the best Luca is Luca that has like a joy for the game and isn't, you know, just tied down to weird conditioning programs. And uh, that's the one we have now. And I just like it to stay that way. <laughs> It'd be really nice. See, that's why I have yeah. it as a, as a five. Okay. Your next one, this one, 
not sure where it's going to fall on the scale. You said, what if, what if Jalen Brunson takes the leap? So what do you mean okay, so and I where do you like, think this falls? Okay, so if if by the leap you mean like the leap to Damian Lillard, this is a ten and a half, right? <laughs> like this yeah. is <laughs> no, I, I understand. But yeah, but I mean like the leap to like Fred Van Vliet or like the leap to like a legitimate starting quality point guard. And honestly, in the first couple of games, I, I kind of see it. I wrote this question before these games started, and I heard some buzz. You hear stuff going around that maybe he's you know maybe he's a little bit better than we think he is. And he has sort of a bounce now. He has this um, – he, he's been shaking people up a little bit. He's really confident off the dribble. He has like a step back three now. He's tiny, I get it, but he's sort of the, the prototypical uh, point guard that Rick Carlisle is obsessed with but nobody else in the league cares about. So, <laughs> I, you know what I'm saying? Like the J.J. Barea thing. So maybe, maybe there's something here. Maybe he's, maybe he's better than we think he is. Are, are you seeing anything that I'm seeing? I like him. I I think he dribbles too much. Like he, he, he gives me the extreme JJ Bure vibes, which can work yeah. both for and against him. But in terms of of uh, uh, how his game works, he you know he gets to the basket. He makes these really interesting you know kind of floating uh, moves off of pivots and shot fakes. I really hate his three point shot fake. He does like this thing that dads at the YMCA do where he like throws the ball up and like kicks his foot way back. And it's like, anybody doesn't think you're <laughs> going to shoot the ball. That's just me. I, I am a fan of him though. I wasn't a really big fan of his as a draft pick, but he simply got better every month. And by the end of the year, he was in the argument for, you know, top three Mavs player for, for a fair, for, for, you know, like that March, April period. So that's, that's kind of where I am with him. Yeah. I, I think also we had this vision in our head because he had such a bad first summer league. He was like, you couldn't stay on the floor. He was very bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, he couldn't, yeah, he couldn't hit it. He, he looked nervous, which is weird because he was supposed to be like the sure thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, over time, we were like, actually, maybe that was maybe this had a bad week or something. It was weird. We don't, we still don't know what happened there. But over time, it took us a lot of time to get over the trust issues we had at the beginning. And now he looks, to me, he looks very good. And like listening to the Detroit announcers talk about him, it's like for a team that's a little deficient in playmaking in Detroit, they they were kind of fawning over him. And I get it. Like from an outside perspective, this kid controls the game really well doesn't make any weird decisions at all, period. Um, and, like, yeah, he dribbles too much, and he's definitely, like, he pounds the rock like J.J. does. But I, I think there's something here. And, by the way, he's clearly, like, best friends with Luca, which is very helpful. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, th- from Again, if we are talking about him taking a leap into Steph Curry territory, uh, this, is a, this is a flaming hot take that I should be, like, <laughs> shipped out of the country for. But I – I think it's like a four of a hot take in terms of like Mikey sort of displaced the lawn by the end of the year. Yeah, maybe it's happening. I think that's an interesting one because Delon's three point shot is going to really depend on how much he yeah. plays. Uh, he was tonight. He, I remember two passes that he received in the opposite corners, each one from uh, Luca and he buried one and he bricked the other. And his ability to hit those open threes at a percentage that's acceptable is basically going to determine whether he can play or not because his defense is pretty good, but he doesn't really do anything spectacularly, I think. And if if uh, Brunson, who is a pretty good shooter, like I think he's a much better shooter, actually, 
is able to hit those shots. This is then it comes back to what we were talking about earlier about the offensive role. And, and I do think that, that Rick will experiment with that sort of thing. Cause it really, you know, it, as much as I hate to admit it, JJ Bray is probably going to have a role in the offense. So you gotta, you gotta find yeah. minutes for these guys somewhere. There's as much as I don't really love the depth of talent on the team. There's a bunch of guys at about the same talent level that are going to make arguments at different points in the year for playing. Let's uh, let's move on to your next one. Now, this one is the only one I think I kind of didn't entirely understand, so you might have to, to, to flesh it out for me. So we all agree that the Mavericks are going to be at minimum entertaining with a opportunity to be good. But the rest of the division somehow also got better. Even the stupid Memphis Grizzlies are going to be better. Whether or not they want to be good is is of of a matter of decision. They're young, but the Pelicans are better, and obviously the Rockets are outstanding, and the Spurs still exist. So, so talk to me a little bit about what you were thinking here. Yeah, so I just don't know how we make up wins in this division, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think that we will be objectively considerably better and i also mm-hmm. think they'll show in, in win totals is that enough to get us into the playoffs like is that enough to get us over 500 that's a really tough question when you have to play new orleans who's very good and sort of eats up at our strengths in every way many times this year i think you played them what four times in division yeah um, three times play, in the first 20 games though oh my god okay so that's that's an issue so you play you play new orleans and then you play houston who is maybe the best team in the NBA, right? Mm-hmm. They have probably the best regular season team in the NBA. That's what it looks like to me. They have they don't have a lot of time. They don't need to gel. They're basically the same team except with Russell Westbrook, and he's played with Harden in the past. So I'm uh, I don't know where we pick up those wins. We, we could just like run roughshod through the East. But we kind of did that last year too for the first half of the season. Like if yes. we were if there was a lottery team, we beat them last year in the first half. So we I think what will be like. I do think, first of all, our schedule is a little soft going into the going into the All Star break, going into the trade deadline. So we have an opportunity here. We'll talk about that in a minute, but um, to look like we are bound for the playoffs early on, um, and then it, as it gets hard, as the season wears on, as you know, we don't we don't know what Luke is gonna, what Luke is going to look like the second half of the season. We don't know if KP will make it to the second half of the season. He really hasn't in the past. So I'm just worried about. Like, where are those wins? Like, I mean this in just a, a, not in like an ethereal sense and like a, just an objective reality. Like, are we really going to beat New Orleans four times? Are we going to, you know, uh, are we going to beat Memphis all four times? I, I'm not sure about that. So that was what was crazy last year. The Mavericks lost some absolutely atrocious games to teams they should have yeah. beat. You know, they start off the year and they lose to the Phoenix Suns. And these yeah. are the, so, you know, they, they ended up playing, I, I hear what you're saying because there was that stretch in November, December before Brea got hurt where they were just outstanding at home. Um, so I, I need to get more into the schedule and see where they are with in terms of like home road splits, if there's any long spots there. That's going to be kind of you know worth looking into, but I don't know who they're going to strip wins from. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I do, I do think because they're so different – in terms of, of, you know, the roster, I do think they're going to be almost unscoutable for the first 
you know, series of games. So I'm happy we're playing the Pelicans three times in 20 games because I think yeah. that we could steal some games from them. For example, they, you know, it's, again, it's just preseason, but they beat the Chicago Bulls by two points tonight. The Mavericks are significantly better than the Bulls. Like, that's not even a question. Yeah. So yeah. obviously they're going to play different rotations, different guys. Zion might score 40 points in 40 minutes, yada, yada, yada. But that's – so getting a jump on these these – even if they might be more talented – getting a jump on the teams that aren't, uh, you know, was well coached and don't have a hierarchy. The Mavericks have a very defined hierarchy of who's supposed to be doing what. And I think that ends up working, working out in their favor. That's that, at least that's the argument on paper as you look at things. Yeah. And like you said, we are considerably better coached than most teams in the league. And we have a defined system that we know, you know, we know what it looks like and we know even at the, absolute base like the baseline of talent with like the the oj mayo and darren collison years we were still not that bad because mm-hmm. of what that system does when they're not tanking um you know basically that system when you're not tanking gets you 35 wins one way or another yeah. um so that is my that's my hope is that that's the absolute floor for this that's great and then on top of that you build in kp man he looks really tough to stop <laughs> Like there, like you said about that floater, I hope everybody go to YouTube, look up this floater. Basically, there's four seconds left in the shot clock. I think he has Andre Drummond on him or Blake yep, Griffin or something. something. Yeah. And somebody who's huge, and he's up in his grill because there's four seconds left trying to stop a three. So he's just like, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna take you off the dribble. The guy stays with him the entire way. KP just like rises up, hits this floater over him. It literally does not hit any piece of that rim. It's nope. incredible, and it, that he's just like. I can't imagine what he's going to be like when he has to take it seriously. Like he, when, yeah. when we're in real game situation. So to me, that's just by itself is seven more wins that puts you over 500. So that's what it looks like in, like in my head, mm-hmm. we are at least a 500 team. But if I look through the schedule, I'm like, okay, eh. <laughs> it's, it's, it's much yeah. scarier when you actually like, when you go game by game. Sure. Okay, guys, this has been Kirk Henderson with Mavs Moneyball and my friend Ben Collins of NBC News. We are going to be right back after this commercial break with some more hot takes and maybe a couple of questions. So stick with us through commercial. We will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Okay, guys, back, you're back to uh, Kirk, your enthusiasm. This is uh, Kirk Henderson with Mavs Moneyball. I'm here with Ben Collins of NBC News. Now, we have been talking about Ben's hot takes, and I need to get pull the document back up because I just pulled my game document back up. So you think that your next one, and this one is going to, this one drives Mavs fans nuts. Matt Moore said it on my first podcast. I tend to agree. You think New Orleans has more talent in the like you know three through eight spot than any single person on the Mavericks team is that right yeah I do and I I, by the way I'm not sure that's a bad thing necessarily I think that's I think that like you said that you've clearly defined roles when you have 
your two best players are so much better than anybody else, right? Um, whereas New Orleans, I'm not sure, maybe they won't get Zion enough touches. And I've already seen Drew Holiday get, sort of get sort of get iced out a little bit here. So mm-hmm. that is a problem. But it is also an issue that, you know, and this this kind of feeds into my other hot takes that come later on, but it, it's true. <laughs> if KP is out for a couple of games or Luka needs a rest, where is that offense coming from? I really mm-hmm. don't know. I really, I mean, that's why I'm hoping Jalen takes some sort of leap or DeLon has a little bit more playmaking than I think he does because it's going to get dark pretty quick. Like that offense is going to stall out. Um, you're going to be running set plays. It's going to be very academic, I would say, <laughs> because sure. there's no other way to get, there was really no other way to, to get the ball in the net. It's going to be like the Knicks with KP uh, where he's just, they just have him at the elbow, just being like, do your thing, man. Cause uh, otherwise I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I think like new Orleans say Zion's upper game, like whatever you start JJ Redick instead. And then you have him running through screens or you, sure. you're, you have Lonzo pushing the ball more. Or you have Drew holiday isoing or something. You have options. Whereas with us, it's like, it's pretty dark after the first two. I feel like that's the case like with New Orleans and with Sacramento they might yeah. have a, a number they they essentially go 8 to 9 deep with starting caliber players that guys that could soak up 20 to 25 minutes that you know is interesting as it looks on paper and you're saying oh they could do lots of things I do think with the coaching involved that could also work against them uh, I just don't know, you know, how, like, what do you, what did the, the, what do the Pelicans do about like Brandon Ingram who needs the ball a lot to, to thrive Lakers fans and probably Pelicans fans are going to disagree with me on this, but being a B to B plus version of Luka Doncic or Giannis is not a great basketball player. It's just not, it's not effective. It's not efficient. And it also doesn't lead to wins. So I just don't know what a team like New Orleans does with some of this talent, unless they can get guys to buy into the fact that if they, you know, play a a structured sort of ball that lets, you know, Zion just rain terror on opposing teams while the rest of the really good players feast upon you know, the fact that he is is the center of defensive attention, which I really do think he might be just watching these games. I don't know what I don't know yeah. what teams are going to do about him. So I don't know if that's I don't think that's a hot take. I believe Mavericks fans would would, you know, throw hands over this because they just don't like you know, I don't like a lot of the late, you know, the former Laker players who are on the Pelicans team. But that doesn't mean they're not good. Like if yeah. we were to put uh, I think Lonzo Ball would be an incredible player next to Luca. Just incredible player. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's it's really like fit matters a lot more in NBA when you get to that second and third and fourth tier of players than we give credit for. Yeah, and that's the thing too, is that like you said with Sacramento, that's a really good example of a team I do not want to be. (laughs) Like I would much rather have Dallas in their roster than Sacramento's, in part because Luke Walton has dealt with eight misfit toys that are all very good. And you know Fox is an incredible player and they have some, they have so much front court depth. They don't literally do not know what to do with it. Um, and Buddy Heald, who's their, probably their third best player would be perfect here too. But they're not as good as us. They're just not, they don't have a system in place that works for them. They have Fox, maybe a superstar. I don't know, but I know Luke is a superstar and I know KP is a superstar. So I, have... I would much rather. Ha- yeah, go ahead. No, no, you finish. Yeah. So I, I, I would, you know, 
I much prefer having as many people that I know for a fact at the end of a game can get you really tough buckets, will consistently get you, you know, 25 and 5, just continually fill up a stat sheet and not miss a game than, mm-hmm. like, this incredibly good, deep diaspora of talent that does all weird different things, but they don't make sense together. So that, sure. I would much rather be in Dallas's position. Me too. Well, so part of why I, I inadvertently cut you off is I just received a text from my wife. I have non-breaking, breaking news to put on the podcast. Dirk Nowitzki played basketball this evening with Marcus Mumford and the rest of Mumford's and Sons band. <laughs> That's amazing. That's yeah, those I, people were the luckiest people in the world. I and and everybody was moving, you know, I'm sure even they're faster than Dirk. So so that's oh god, I hate social media and I love social media so much because I No, that's exactly what I want to see. I want to see dumb shit like that. That's that that's the thing that keeps me going. Oh, I want to know great. that Dirk is dunking individually on each Mumford and <laughs> each son. Probably <laughs> probably then screaming I will wait for you after each dunk. Okay. <laughs> Um, your next take, which I love and I think is going to be the underarching story for a great portion of the season. Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and whichever load management schedule the Mavs go with is going to be very unpopular with the fan base. Yeah, I, I think that they should hold him up for like 20 games. I think that that is the only way to make sure that he doesn't go through what he went through both seasons before, uh, before, uh, before the last one. So. Um, look, he does play at 100% all the time, and that is awesome, and you don't want to stop him from doing that. But mm-hmm. what you want to do is, like, limit the limit the wear and tear in the interim. Yep. And the only way to do that is, you know, keep him out of back-to-backs. Keep him, uh, you know, if there's, like, long, long road trips, just pick games that you're like, okay, it's just not happening, and schedule them out and know that that's coming. Yep. Uh, and, again, that's not going to be a great thing, especially when Luca has to do much more or um, they have to find other people to fill in those slots. Like I'm assuming they'll just start Maxi and Dwight together. That's what I'm assuming, but yep. it's going to, that's going to be a thing. Like I, and it's going to look like we're being too cautious too, because he's, he's probably going to appear early on, especially as like perfectly healthy. So, he has uh, also in, in three seasons, he has come out in October, November, and then part of December like an absolute flamethrower and destroyer of worlds. That is how he has gotten the reputation he has. What is less known, particularly to fans who might not have watched Eastern Conference basketball, his efficiency drops tremendously month to month to where he has almost not had a good part of the season that's after January 1st. It's it's been that it's been that definitive. Now we're only talking about 186 games spread out over three years, so it's a little bit of a misleading sample size. But I think this is actually a great take. Now, where if I'm a super optimistic Mavs fan, I'm looking at the schedule, saying, "Look, you know they have like something. I want to say it's either it's between 11 and 13 back to backs. So if those are the games that you rest him on." paired with games where okay he just his knees feel a little sore he's tired i don't think 20 games is going to be that challenging to get to i have kind of in my head i've I've hoped for 65 which is you know the difference of three games between what you and i are talking about here i think that's a victory i the mavericks need to to be very careful with him obviously and he needs they they need to protect him from himself because he is an 
he plays really hard and that that also works against him because he's just so darn gangly like when he comes down he had a uh, a tip dunk uh that right before he came out this evening and he just lands awkwardly and it freaks me out every time i i there's no other way around it but i i think that is it really is going to bother the casual fan the people who aren't listening to that this podcast who joined the mavericks sometime mid january after you know the cowboys season is either in the crapper or on the way you know that that's going to be really where things get particularly interesting you know the so 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 i, I agree with you I, I but i also think it's something that you know there's there's really no way around they have to be they have to be careful yeah there's look and part of what the problem is going to be like you said before he got hurt he was an mvp candidate like that is the level he was at he was probably like i think in the mvp ladder he was like second or third mm-hmm. he was taking a Knicks team who's second best player is like Ron Baker or something. And he was dragging them to the playoffs. That's going to be really unpopular if he, you know, if you sit him two times, three times a month for literally no reason in the, in the Iowa casual fan. So it's going to be an issue to explain to people. It's going to be an issue for the team whose offense will be a little janky without him, but you got to do it. And it's, again, what's the point here? The point is that he stays healthy for another 10 years. And when the playoffs come around, he can play every playoff game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the, you got to look long-term with this job. So that, you know, we, we had two more things that you sent me, but I really only want to talk about one of them. Cause I think we could talk about this for a while. The yeah. Mavericks might have the most opportunistic schedule that they have had since the 2014, 15 season. If I'm, if I'm looking at things correctly, because the first Harrison Barnes year, they just got pantsed in these last two years. They stumbled just enough last year and the year prior. They had a really terrible start because they weren't, they weren't a good team this year. It's really looking like with, you know, they, they could play and they, you know, arguably should play 500 basketball. And, and, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's kind of a lukewarm take. I think, I think our, our fellow NBA aficionados would probably come out against that. You know, the over-under people that, that really like gambling seem to want to just pound the under for the Mavericks. But I I just, I don't know. I'm a negative guy. But, you know, when you go game by game with these, with you know, these months, I, I there's there's cause for, for uh, there's cause for some optimism for the first time in a while, right? If you look at, if you look at their November schedule, it is very soft. It's, so you play the Lakers and then, it gets mad soft. <laughs> Cleveland, Orlando, New York, Memphis, Boston, who's not as good as I think people think they are, and New York again, Toronto, who's not there anymore, uh, the Spurs, the Warriors, then back to Cleveland, then Houston and the Clippers and the Suns. Like, that is your – that's your November. That is – you should win two-thirds of those games, three-quarters yes. of those games, something like that. So, look, if you go into, Christmas, like, Christmas Day – um, where again, it doesn't get that much stronger in in December. Mm-hmm. If you go into there and you're five games over 500, you, you're going to develop some ex- expectations, I think, because people are going to see Luca and KP gelling. Like you're, people are going to be like, maybe there's something to this team, and and that's where I think you have a real chance to do what they tried to do a few years ago, where you know they saw a team that could make some sort of leap and they tried to improve it and they traded for Rajon Rondo, which was <laughs> very funny. But I feel like if they make a trade <sighs> like that, if they make a Rondo like trade for an actually good player, 
um, they can accelerate this a little bit. And I, I think they should. So look, I think they're going to be, again, I keep saying this. I am, I am optimistic about this team, especially earlier in the season, because they, if you do the math, if you actually just like map this out, they should be in a very good place. Um, and then I think they, they're going to have to upgrade to stay at that, at that pace for the rest of the year. Does that make sense? Sure. Yeah, it does. And I'm looking at the Mavs home road splits uh, last year, and they were 24 and 17 at home, which for a team that was that bad is actually, you know, they finished with 33 wins. That's, that's pretty outstanding. And that was when they were running, you know, March and April, they were running away from wins. That that means that a nine and 32 away record. And, and that is where they need to gain some ground. If they could finish, you know, 25 and 16 at home, which is, you know, roughly a a 60% winning percentage and then close out, you know, just 15 to 16 of these road games that ends up, you know, maybe 17, 18, you know, something. If they can get a few games over 500, that is my long-term hope because I think that, you know, the West doesn't have, the over-unders for even the best teams, right, like in the, the 56 to 57 range, there's not going to be that, like, 60, 65-win juggernaut this year. It's it's just too much going on, which, you know, part of me thinks that means the barrier to the playoffs is something like 45 wins. But, you know, you get one unfortunate injury, you get one team that just doesn't gel, and then these things kind of unravel quickly to where I think you know, that 42 to 44 win team might actually be able to sneak in. And that's where I think Dallas might might have an opportunity to end up. I know that there are people out there that are really, really jazzed about their, about their likelihood of wins, but the season's too long. The Mavs don't necessarily have the depth like we've talked about. That's sort of where my head is with this. I'm, I'm becoming a playoff optimist in the sense that as long as they're in the argument and don't die in this brutal, uh, Jan- is it January or February stretch? I moved away. From, I think it's February. That it's really tough. Yeah. As um, long as they don't I, die, then, then maybe we'll be all right. Yeah. It, it's, so it's February. It, it, it's dark in February, but that, again, like I said, first of all, they'll have a little break then, um, for the all-star break. They will have, they might be able to upgrade a little bit around then. Um, they, they may even be players in like a buyout market situation. I, I just think there's an opportunity here for us. And like you said, too, I'm not like I'm not inherently a person who I didn't think we were going to make the playoffs last year. I'm not um, like an insanely optimistic person. I think we had a kind of rough offseason. But if you just look at it, if you just think about this logically, we're in pretty good shape. Like right. we can we can pull this off. Um, and I do think it's like things are just dependent on injuries for us and other teams, too. So, you know, if, if KP goes down or if Luca goes down, we're that's it close up shop we'll go get Cole Anthony next year but um other teams will fall off the map too maybe Golden State maybe it's just not going to work they have three players so um and brutal like there was an athletic article yesterday about how they might have to have Marquise Chris on the team and he is not he's not an NBA player let alone an NBA rotation player so there's there's just start a non yeah, they're going to start a non-NBA rotation player. <laughs> so, they, yeah, they're going to start probably Alfonso McKinney, you think? So they're in trouble. There are a bunch of teams who are one injury away from just packing it up. So we can slide into that spot very easily. And I, 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 um, 
I like our chances of it, frankly. I think we're in good shape. Well, see, this this has been exactly what I had hoped for. You know, I got a couple more questions that I think I could save until another time. There's plenty of time for content. Do you have any anything else you want to get out there before uh, before I let you go tonight? I just I am very thankful that you allowed me to have um, a couple of frankly two spicy takes. We're talking about like Taco Bell fire sauce level level takes on this thing. So I'm, I'm glad that you. Um, I'm glad that you allowed me to do it. I wanted to get them out there. I felt a, a compulsion as a as a Mavericks fan, so I'm glad that we could do it. And and I will gladly come back in a couple months and talk about how wrong I was. Well, see, one thing that you have to aim to do this this I don't, I don't know. You know, it's the old Jalen and Jacoby line: don't get fired. But yeah. you have to find a way during one of your television spots this year to work in a Dallas Mavericks something. I know that I will, it, it, it is completely out. You know, you go on Morning Joe, you're talking about QAnon and whatever other crazy batshit stuff is in the world. You know, there's there's got to be a ray of hope where you just say, you know, people look to Luca. Just want you to know, yeah, something. There's got to be. You, you have really to be able idea. to do something ridiculous. I was on a I was on a midday show once, and I was talking about the, like Russian disinformation and how bad they were the last time at midterm. And I was like, uh, they were really bad this time, but they were just kind of going for it. it was, and I was like, Hallie, do you know what a heat check is? And they were like, everyone that was like, don't do this. <laughs> they, were just like, they were like making the don't do this thing. Uh, They're wrong. Their, uh, Look their at hands. the news cycle the yeah. last 48 hours. <laughs> actually, the last 72 hours. Basketball is a unifying force in America. It brought Ted sure. Cruz, Ben Sass, and AOC to the table to where they all put out a weird joint statement together of political Voltron that I will never be able to wrap my brain around. You know, but, <laughs> but it was basketball. It was basketball yeah. that did it. So that's that's really my my driving force for the year. Well, you know, anytime you want to come on this ridiculous podcast, anytime you even if it's a post game thing, if you're to say, Kirk, you know, it's the second quarter, I got some takes. Chances are Josh and I are going to be willing to, to to have you on. So you just let us know, Ben. Absolutely. And I, I will do it. And I, I really cannot wait for the apology podcast for getting literally everything I just said wrong here. <laughs> all right, guys. This has been Kirk Henderson and Ben Collins. I will put all you know pertinent information into the podcast link. You, if you haven't subscribed to us, guys, go look us up. Mavs Moneyball Podcast is the feed. And this has been Kirk, your enthusiasm. Everybody have a great weekend. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.